Like I mentioned earlier, we're very privileged to have a special guest, Ian Stanfield, has come from Compassion this morning. He's been on staff at Compassion for 11, 11 years. Uh, and bef before that, he was a senior pastor up in Maitland, at Maitland Baptist Church. I think that's on the coast, New South Wales coast, or is it inland a bit? Inland? Well, it's not as, quite as nice, but I'm sure it's just as, just as picturesque. Um, and so he was a senior pastor there for, what, 20-something years? 20, 24 years. Uh, so uh, he's a great hero of the faith, I'm sure, to, to the people he's led and the people he, he's been involved with. And we're very honoured to have him come and share with us this morning in Windy Sail. Um, and he is down this weekend because uh, he is going with our, our team to the, to the Philippines. And so Peter and Sue and, and Rob are heading over with a team in October. Where am I? End of October, early November, um, to to go and see the, the the Philippine partnerships and the churches over there. And so, Ian has come from Compassion to join in with that trip. Uh, and so, they had a team meeting yesterday and getting things all under control. It's what only six weeks out or something or less now. So I'm sure they're really under control and got things sorted. Um, but I'm going to invite Ian up and he's going to share and um, I'm sure he'll introduce a bit more of himself. And then at the end of uh, of his message, he's, I think he's going to open up for some questions and answers. So if you've got some questions as you go, um, there'll be an opportunity to, to ask them and to interact. So why don't we give a hand and a welcome to Ian as he comes and shares with us this morning. Thanks, uh, Thank you, Brad. I just set the timer. Because as Brad said, you know... Um, I would love the opportunity of um, answering any questions uh, people might have about what I say or about compassion. Um, the only, I guess, rider I give to that is uh, my answer might be, I don't know. <clears throat> okay? Um, yeah, I'm married uh, to my wife, Jane. Uh, we live in the Hunter Valley. Uh, it's a coal mining uh, centre and there's a lot of um, activity in the area. Um, my three adult children uh, live in Queensland, uh, two girls in Brisbane. My son is an underground electrician up in central Queensland. Uh, we also have the delight of raising uh, his two children, uh, Charlotte and Cosworth, and uh, they've been with us now for about 10 years, and they're uh, 12 and 14. <clears throat> but I thank you for the opportunity of being here. You know, I, I, came, I came to Compassion when the ex some of the executives started talking to me about church-to-church -church partnerships. Uh, at Maitland Baptist Church at the time, we were working in East Africa and had a number of uh, projects running there. But the uh, guys of Compassion started talking about this church-to-church. -church. And uh, in my time in Africa, I'd learned one very important thing, and that was that my African brothers and sisters had more to offer me than I ever had to offer them. And so I was uh, work, working and trying to understand in God what it would mean for the church of God to co connect globally and to share our resources. For I am convinced that there is enough grace from God for his church to flourish everywhere. We don't have to sit back in, in perhaps uh, countries like Australia and say, well, you know, the church is diminishing and that's just God's plan. I, don't, I personally don't accept that. I say, God, you have enough grace for your church to flourish everywhere all the time. 
So thank you for being here. I thank you for the opportunity of going with your team in uh, six weeks' time to the Philippines. And um, I'm sure we'll have a wonderful and amazing time there. I'd like to talk to you about some of my journey. I was saying to Brad, these days I'm more of a storyteller than a preacher. And I just hope I share some of the story of God in my life with you. One day I was sitting in what I call my prison, the pallet store of Compassion Australia. My dream of being part of a global kingdom partnership. Well, the dream that had brought me to Compassion seems so far away because after we started working with Church to Church and Compassion, after about three years, we found it was difficult to maintain the relationships. Sale Baptist Church is one of the few churches in Australia that has been able to uh, maintain those relationships and that partnership for something like 10 years. And I congratulate you for that. And what you're doing is, is fairly unique in the Compassion landscape. When I was sitting in this pallet store... And I just screamed out to God, I just want to change the world. But before my words could bounce off those cold concrete walls, the Spirit of God spoke and said, I just want to change you. The Lord had spoken, reminding me again and again that his primary purpose for my life and my personal purpose had drifted apart. I was focused on my ministry, what I wanted to do. And he was focused on me, who he wanted me to be. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, the Apostle Paul outlines God's primary purpose for you and for me. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, conformed to the image of his son, becoming like Jesus. That is God's primary priority for all of us all the time. He is totally committed to each one of us being disciples who disciple others. Earlier Paul had said to the church in Rome, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That doesn't mean that all of the things that you and I encounter in life are good. We live in a broken world full of tears and pain as well as joy and delight. I personally would have written a different story for my life than what God has written and what God has delivered. My life has been challenging and confusing I grew up as a war orphan, not fitting, not knowing how to make life work. But I now look back at that time and say, thank you, Father, for when I work with the poor anywhere in the world, they're not a problem. They're people to be loved. And I feel their heart. And so working f f with compassion for me has its roots right back in the beginning of my life. I would not have written the story of my life. But through each and every day, God has had one persistent focus to bring good out of the most broken moments. And that good is that you and I would be like Jesus. I don't know your stories. 
But I know that God has the same focus for you, that together we would show the world the Jesus that so many people seem to be looking for. Where's Jesus? He's here. We live in a world that wants us, that God wants us to share him with. In writing to the church in Philippi, Paul again expressed his confidence in what God was doing. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is carrying on his work in us to become like Christ, even in our darkest moments. I'm here today because of what happened in a slum in Nairobi almost 20 years ago. I was living with a pastor, working with him. And one day, my beautiful friend said, follow me. So I followed William and we wound our way through the slum. And eventually we got to the place where they were brewing the illegal brew called Changa. And he introduced me to the madame, the lady who ran the, the prostitution in the slum. And as we went to go into that lady's house, there was a little girl, I guess about seven or eight, standing there with her hand out. And I looked at her hand. It was covered in grime and snot. And I walked past her. I went in and sat into this dark little house. And as I sat there, the Spirit of God spoke. And he reminded me the darkest place in that house was not the madame, not the businesses she ran, but my own heart. And I sat there and I didn't hear much of the conversation between the pastor and that lady because I was promising God many things. And one of the things I promised him was that if that little girl was standing outside the house when we left, I would shake her hand. Well, we got up and we left. And as we walked out the door, that little girl was standing there. But no longer was she offering me her hand. She was offering me her wrist. And that broke my heart. She had realised that I didn't accept her for who she was. And from that day on, any child in any community, anywhere in the world, gets me. My hand, if they need it, they'll get a hug. But they get me. I don't walk past children anymore. So I learned that day that God's interest in children was bigger than mine. And he expanded my heart just a little. A compassion, you may know we have a very simple mandate. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Releasing Jesus in the way that Jesus would. And in the process, becoming more like Jesus too. That's what brought me to compassion. Not simply that Sale Baptist Church would work effectively in the Philippines. But through your partnership with compassion, your ministry here in Sale would expand. Because you were becoming more like Jesus in the process of working with compassion. Releasing children as Jesus would. And in the process, becoming more like Jesus ourselves because all things work together for good 
all things are designed to allow you and I to become more like Jesus. And that includes child sponsorship. 24-7, we have opportunities of embracing God's primary purpose for our lives. Years ago, I was sitting in the island, on the island of Palawan in the Philippines. I was sitting with some of our marketing team and one of the uh, Philippines uh, workers. And we started talking about letter writing to children. And the marketing team was walking down a well-known track to me. That writing letters is difficult and we find it hard to get people to engage. But the compassion worker said to me quietly, but, but Ian, letters are the heart of sponsorship. I don't necessarily, necessarily agree with his statement, but I, I heard where he was coming from. And so the conversation continued. And, you know, there's often that conversation of compassion. Let's just forget about letter writing. It's too hard. People don't want to engage. We're too busy. We don't know what to say. So I said to Nathaniel, just say a little bit more loudly what you just said to me. So he spoke that out to the marketing team about how important a letter was to a child. And we all shut up. We didn't know where to go with it. And I walked away from there and I thought, wow, yeah, what do we do? Again, thankfully, I, I think I was listening to the Spirit. When he said, Ian, the point is, not to simply try to guilt people or pressure people to religiously write to children. But could we devise a way as a, as a church to encourage people to write to children and in the process understand that we are allowing the mind of Christ to be formed in us more fully? In Philippians 2, Paul says... Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and the strength of the original language is simply, yes, you have so much encouragement from being united with Christ. And as you do, then in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of, the, of you to the interests of others. And it dawned on me that letter writing could be a time of developing the mind of Christ. A time when we say, you know, I will give 10 minutes of my day every two or three months to writing a letter to a child overseas. Giving them words of life and encouragement. Helping them to become more like Jesus as in the process we are too. Letter writing, where we value a child above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but also the interests of a child we'll possibly never meet. You know, I sponsored kids for a lot longer than I've been a compassion. But I guess for the first 10 years, I consigned letter writing to my wife, Jane. I was too busy. I was a senior pastor. Too much to do. But God has broken me and uh, helped me understand that I also 
need to develop the mind of Christ to see that the children's welfare is much more important than mine. And that to give up you know, 10 minutes every couple of months to write to our sponsor children is not a big burden, but an incredible delight. Letters can be life-giving conversations. And so if you have a sponsored child, I'd encourage you to uh, perhaps consider your response to the children. And so God has this primary uh, purpose that you and I would become like Jesus. And the process of becoming like Jesus isn't limited to what we do on Sunday or what we do in our small groups. A guy called Richard Raw says this, we don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And for a preacher, that's pretty hard. You know, I always believe that each Sunday I would have a message that would absolutely change everyone's life forever. Never happened. Never happened. And if we depend on Brad or other staff to be responsible for our spiritual growth, well, most of the work of becoming like Jesus will happen when we meet Jesus. But God's dream is that we would become like him more and more as we live here, so, so that others would see the wonder and the joy that Jesus can bring to life. The pinnacle of Jesus' teaching, the, the great moments of life formation, weren't things like the very public sermon on the mount where he was preaching to thousands. The pinnacle of Jesus' teaching, the most important life formation moments were the private conversations on the dusty roads, the quiet chats, the uncertainty and tension of the upper room. Life is our classroom. Life sets the syllabus. Last Thursday, I picked Charlotte up from gymnastics. She got in the car. I got in the car. And all the way home, she was like this. After a while, I said, Shah, don't you think that's kind of rude? You don't talk to me. Hmm? I spoke to the father about that later. And again, the spirit spoke and said, you know what, Ian? That's your life so often. You're so focused on what you want to do that you don't listen to me. And I'm finding that uh, this process of becoming like Jesus only happens as I open myself up to constant conversation with a chatterbox spirit of God. Richard Rohr, in saying that... Uh, we live ourselves into a new way of thinking, is simply restating the primary process parents and then rabbis adopted in discipling their children and followers. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Let them flavour the whole of your life. Let them be woven into the fabric of who you are. We become like Jesus as we live in a close personal relationship with him daily. Jesus describes that life-changing relationship in John chapter 15. And I'm reading from the message version in Peterson, I think, grabs what Jesus was talking about. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Intimate and organic, nothing distant. Oh, yeah, God, speak to me from the mountaintop. He says, no, I want to stand beside you because, in fact, I'm in you. And I want our conversations to be intimate. I want them to be based upon the strength of our friendship. Our all-knowing God wants natural conversations to flavour every day of our lives. Easy conversations and easy silence. A friendship marked by love, honour and respect. And what did Jesus say these conversations, these intimate moments would bring? He says they will bring a harvest that is sure to be abundant. Jesus will have many, many brothers and sisters. The family resemblance will be unmistakable. It will be drawing people into the kingdom of God. His life will be seen in a love that is joyous, peaceful, patient, kind, good and faithful. We commonly call this the fruit of the Spirit. So I've gone 20 minutes, I've got to shut up. Just let me finish with this thought. The fruit of an intimate and organic relationship with the eternal friend and counsellor that Jesus gave us is the way forward. Jesus said in John 14, I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. You know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. In the rush of life, and it seems to get busier for me at least as the years go by, I always have the Holy Spirit in me. Someone I can talk to when I sit at home, when I walk along the road, when I lie down and when I get up. He's with me and he's with you. And he wants to talk. And he wants you to listen. He wants you to talk to have a conversation so that his truth, his life, will be woven into your life. It's simply called action, reflection, learning. Living ourselves into a new way of thinking. We talk to God about what is happening in our worlds. You know, I sometimes sit back and say, I'm a grandfather raising grandchildren. God, I don't know. I don't know Charlotte and Cosworth's world. But I'm glad you do. And as I listen to him, I hope, I hope I'm being the father that they need. Because I hope I'm still becoming more like Jesus. 
And I'm hoping also, and we, we talked about it this morning in Russell. Where's Russell gone? Yeah, surrender. One thing that yeah, I struggle with is surrender. I live in a world that celebrates personal success. I live with a God who celebrates personal surrender. And the two clash all the time in my world. And that's where I get hung up and say, what I'm doing is more important than who I'm becoming. Because what I'm doing is what people see and what people affirm. What I'm becoming is much more easily seen by God. And so I live in this, this tension, as perhaps you do. It's easy to talk to my father about surrender in this environment. But when I'm under pressure, when I'm being asked to deliver, it's very easy to start talking about what I've done rather than who I am or who I am becoming. And compassion field experiences for me, what has brought me to this point in my life? Give us an opportunity of having a close, intimate relationship on a trip with Jesus. I think I've done more discipling in field experiences than I did in 24 years at Maitland and seven years in Queensland being a senior pastor. You know, you're giving me, those of you who, who, those of you who are coming on that trip, you're giving me the opportunity of, of living life with you for something like 18 days. An enormous amount of time. And so I go on trips eager to understand how I might become like, more like Jesus and how I might participate in some way with the team members becoming more like Jesus too. A lot of my life is being turned upside down. We live in a culture, the Australian culture is we can fix anything. We live in a world that says, uh, if you've got a problem, we can solve it. But I live with a God who teaches me time and time again, I don't have that capacity. Two years ago, I was sitting in a house in Cebu, Cebu, Philippines. Mother in her mid-30s, holding her 13th child in her arms. Beautiful little girl. But what I noticed was her arms were about as big as my finger. She was about 10 months old. And I'd been invited into that house to somehow be used by God to heal this little girl. She had four holes in the heart. And I prayed. And I left. And it bugged me for 18 months. I couldn't help her couldn't change her world. I knew she would die not long after I left. It took me 18 months to finally come on with a broken heart before my God and say, Dad, she's better in your arms than mine, isn't she? And to agree with him that I can't. I can't fix everything. But I have a God who knows everything and everything is in his control. God's primary focus is for us to become like Jesus 
as we embrace the opportunities of life and take the time to think them through. We talk about debriefing on trips. All debriefing is is healthy conversations, just talking, bringing us back again and again to surrendering our worldviews, our mindsets, our passions to the one who uh, loves us so incredibly. We read his word, we listen to his spirit, we're here for one another, and in that incredible melting pot, we become more like Jesus.